0: And now, a Blaze Media podcast.
1: Stands with america this is freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on the blaze radio network
2: hello america thank you so much for tuning in today this of course is the show on the blaze where you come for the accent and of course you come for the sass and miss tina and you stay for the principles look at that smile that she just gave me (laughs) and in case you missed last week's show last week's show was an amazing show we had an amazing guest and we spoke about hope because there's sorely lacking a lot of gifts in society today. It's so political. It's so angry. It's so, are you team Trump? Are you team DeSantis? Are you team someone else? Are you a Republican? Are you a good guy? Are you a bad guy? Well, we spoke about hope last week, and today we're going to speak about joy. And with that said, to Miss Tina, welcome to the show. But we're also going to welcome our guest, Todd. Todd Hansen. thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's
0: great to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: So, Todd, tell the audience who
0: are not familiar with your work what you would do. Well, generally, my shtick would be to travel blindly around the United States, pulling a state out of a hat and getting a map of that state, putting it down on the ground, closing my eyes, dropping a marker, and having it hit generally in the middle of nowhere in that state, tiny little town, we'd go to that state and really the first person we bump into is say, tell me your story. Uh, sight unseen, they didn't know we were coming. I didn't know who I was going to meet and just say, hey, please tell me your story. So that's that's kind of what I'm known for and what I've done for the better part of the last 15 years or so.
1: I need to inject here really quick because Todd has his own little story that I really appreciated that he opened up about. And that is, as a child, Todd was severely bullied. And this shy little kid is doing what he does now, talking to people. But I love that part of his story that he was just this shy, bullied child and he was able to overcome that.
0: So when you talk about hope, last week's topic, yeah, there, there's hope for people who who are shy and want to overcome that. Because like early on in my life, I wasn't shy, and then this bullying started, and I really kind of withdrew from everything and and became the shy little kid that that I knew that really wasn't me. And so it took me a long time to overcome that. And that's part of why I think I chose broadcasting is to prove that, you know, that's not really me because I think there's a place in society for everybody and it's okay to be shy. It's okay to be a quiet person, but I knew that wasn't who I was. And I wanted to overcome that. I wanted to prove that that really wasn't me. And so, you know, what better way to prove that you're not shy than to broadcast to the world. So I went in and became a news anchor and reporter. Don't hold that against me. (laughs) Eventually I overcame that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This was long before the days of fake news, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's been a long time since you were a TV broadcaster. You've moved on.
0: (laughs) Yes. When we actually observed journalistic principles you know of, of fairness and balance and objectivity and all those things that they taught us in journalism school that i wonder why it's not being taught these days or if it is why students aren't learning it blows my mind so you graduate and you did it
2: was it communications or journalism that you did
0: it was uh broadcast journalism
2: yeah that broadcast was journalism my, my major so- so you do you you join um you go and become a news anchor.
0: What- go on, become a news anchor and reporter. Do that for eleven years of my life that I'll never get back. No, it was so amazing. We- I mean, really, it was it was a fascinating career for probably the first five years of my life. You know, a front row seat to the world, and you get to see all these incredible things. But then all the stories kind of started repeating themselves, but the actors were different and I'm like, okay, I've seen this story before over and over and over again, but, but the actors are different this time, but it's the same story. So what was your kind of highlight then from being a broadcast journalist? Um, I I think a lot of it was me realizing, okay, I'm not the shy kid anymore. And then starting this experiment, In real people's lives and real stories about everyday Americans and so-called ordinary boring people who are anything but, who have incredible, compelling stories, incredible, compelling lives, but you never hear about because it's not sexy, right? The slogan, if it bleeds, it leads, That's what you see on the news. So you see the death and the destruction and the horror. And I just, I got so tired of that on the news. And I thought we could do such a better job on TV news. And we weren't doing it. So I started this little experiment my final year in TV news. And it was this little thing called Tripping with Todd. And so we did essentially the same thing I did on my TV show where we would go out and just randomly bump into people, whatever random way we could devise and say, Hey, tell me your story. I have no idea who you are, but I'm certain you've got a great story. I was a little, little nervous in the beginning thinking, okay, this, there's no way this is going to work. But the first story was incredible. The second story was incredible. The third story was incredible. And, it, and I'm like, okay, there's something to this. And it really is an amazing thing. And that, led the way to me developing this TV show that led me to all 50 states and hundreds of incredible stories and 12 seasons of doing the story track.
2: Let's break down some of the stories that you've done Mm -hmm. and we'll break them down into different categories. But because I'm, I'm a storyteller and I love stories, if I say to you the most craziest, wackiest, outlandish, it can be the story of the person or how you got there, what's like, what's give me the craziest one?
0: You know? Yeah. A lot of people ask me all the time, what, what's, what's your favorite story? You know? And that's like asking what's your favorite child? You know, you, you can't go there. Right. I mean, there's so many, like it, it's the last story I did. Right. That's, that's your favorite story. But one story that sticks out because it was just so incredible. It like, almost unbelievable. And and truth really is stranger than fiction. We were up in New Meadows, Idaho, went to the town hall and asked the city manager if he would point at the map on the wall. We like spun him around, had him close his eyes and he pointed at the map on the wall. And we said, okay, we'll go there in the town. And it turned out to be a motorhome that was parked. And We knock on this motorhome. Actually, the first motorhome. There were two motorhomes there. Knocked on the first one. Nobody answered. Knocked on the second one. And this old guy comes out and he says, uh, yeah, I'll tell you my story, but I got to put on my TV hat first. I got a great (laughs) TV hat. And he goes out to his little Geo Metro and he gets this visor that had fur sewn in it. Isn't that a great TV hat? And I thought, you know, this is going to be a fun story about just some crazy old codger. And we sit down and we start chatting with him. And it was anything but a story about a crazy old man. He was 90 years old. And he tells this story about the flu epidemic where his parents died, his mom and dad, the same night. And, you know, we just went through our hundred year major epidemic, right? Well, this was way back when, you know, and uh, he was raised by his sister. And then there was this big war that broke out, World War II. He lied about his age so he could enlist and he became a newsreel photographer and traveled around Europe documenting the war on film, which was played in all the theaters all around. Came back from the war and learned how to fly helicopters and then went to Korea and became a helicopter pilot, mash helicopter pilot, like you saw in the series, flying patients, came back from Korea and became uh, owner of an ad agency. He was a model for a while his, his wife died of cancer. His daughter died of cancer. He put several kids through college. He uh, was willed a bunch of money from somebody he met in Europe during World War II. He said, no, I don't want it. Put it toward scholarships. He says, there's nothing better you can do than put people through college. When we met him, he was volunteering every morning. Uh, doing dishes at a local cafe, he'd go down and start the coffee at the convenience store. He was doing different fundraising. He was just the all-American guy. There's that most interesting man in the world commercial Dos Equis. That was Archie Breedlove of New Meadows, Idaho. He he was just the most interesting man in the world, and that's what you get when you just roll up on somebody and say, "Hey." Will you tell me your story? I don't know who you are, but those are the amazing things you get. And he said, life is a gift. That is what life is all about. And I've been through some horrible, terrible things. My wife died of cancer. My daughter died of cancer. I've seen horrific things in the war, but life is a marvelous experience. And that's what we titled the episode, A Marvelous Experience. Still off the top of my head. Yeah, that's that's one of them. (laughs)
2: That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Awesome. So what's the best place that you've ever been to? And, you know, for like, do you record more than one story in a location?
0: We'll go. And so the dot will hit one area, one town. We'll go to that town. We'll get a story. And then we like to spread out and say, okay, let's let's represent the area a little more. And we'll get three or four stories in surrounding communities. Best place? Um, You know, the obvious answers are Hawaii and Alaska. You know, the, those are cool. But Iowa, <laughs> you, you wouldn't expect that. But far and away, the absolute nicest people to a person. We were treated so well by every single soul we met in Iowa. It was incredible. It was bitterly cold. Wind was howling. It was terrible. And and we had this horrific downpour rainstorm one day. But the people in Iowa were incredible. So I'd go there for the people. As you were
1: traveling and doing these stories, what was it that you found out about American people?
0: You know, I found that we're alike more than we are different you know, and right now when society is so incredibly divided and <laughs> if if you get on social media, you'll see that. And I, it, it's crazy what's happened to America, the world, because of social media, I think we're so polarized. But when you get out and you, you talk to people, you just have a conversation face to face, which I think is lacking these days. You find out that we're alike. We have so much more in common than we don't. And that's what I've found in just having a conversation. And that's what we need to do in America and across the world is just to get to know each other. And and people are just, they're trying to get by. That's what people are doing. They're just, they're working and they're trying to, pay the bills and feed the family and live their lives. But man, when they get so caught up in media and social media, then everything falls apart and people come unglued and they say things that they would never say face to face in a personal conversation. But for some reason, the gloves come off when you're anonymous on social media.
1: Jonathan, I think that we have found with a guest that we have spoken to for these specials, that conversation is the recurring theme. Don't you agree?
2: Absolutely. And this is what we need to actually start having these conversations with people. Because as you say, Todd, we do have a lot in common. Um it's just uh I think the polar has changed, and maybe you can talk about because your experience in the media and then going out and talking to people. I've found that historically we used to talk and have conversations and try and look for where areas that we can agree on and kind of go, okay, we agree on this and this and this. And yeah, you might be a bit crazy and you're totally wrong on this, but you know, let's focus on the things we agree on. I think our society has flipped 180 and it's kind of going. Yeah, we might agree on like ninety percent of the things, but this one thing you're crazy on, you're 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 a traitor for this, or you're the problem, or you're the enemy. Can you talk about that? That what you've seen and what you've seen on the ground of where we've changed and how we've changed?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think to you know Orrin Hatch and and Ted Kennedy, right? You know they they bitterly opposed each other on on certain policies in Congress, but. At the end of the day, they would go to dinner and, and be friends, right? Um, you just don't see that anymore. Exactly to your point, Jonathan, it's the same way in society. And it can be just that one issue. But boy, that one thing, you're crazy. And so I am never going to speak to you again. Whereas, man, everything else. Yeah, you know that Jonathan, he's a pretty good guy. But because of that one thing, I will never speak to him again. And, and it's sad because you're missing out on so much. When you connect with another individual, when you have that conversation, to me, it's, it's special. I think it's sacred. For me, it's kind of a spiritual experience. When you actually ha- sit down and have a conversation, you open up you're becoming vulnerable, they're becoming vulnerable, and you learn about their families, you learn about their lives, you learn about what they're struggling with. And more than just a conversation with a couple of people, I think you're kind of connecting like spirit to spirit. But when you get the barrier of an electronic device in there, that's just lost.
2: So when you're going out and talking to these people, Just I'm curious, just from your when you're interviewing people, do you have to be careful what you say? Because obviously, because evidence is so political today, you know, there's there's Republican trigger words and Democratic trigger words. And do you do much research? And are you careful or are you just you and just go and have a conversation with people? And
0: absolutely no, no research because I don't know who they are. I just walk up and I start with. So what's your name? (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's uh it, it can be difficult sometimes but you know I, I try not to go there um politically you know if, if that's their entire story then and that's who they are then that's their story but invariably that's not where it goes and what's interesting is usually the story isn't about what they've done for their entire career, or what their political affiliation is, or anything like that. It, it's about some really difficult thing that they have been through that they've overcome, or it's about their families uh, primarily. But but it doesn't get into the silliness of life sometimes, which encompasses our lives when we're online, off times.
2: That's great, because that was actually going to be my next question. If you were to sum it up, what's the common theme of all your seasons of doing this show? Would you say it's family and sort of personal, or is there anything else added to that? I, th-
0: I think it's overcoming. I would say the majority of the stories are overcoming and dealing with, with something difficult and finding a way through it. Sometimes we'll run into somebody who is right in the middle of something really difficult and they're, they're just dealing, they're dealing with it and trying to see a way through. That's more rare. Usually those people are not willing to talk to us. So it's not always that, you know, the first person we bump into says, yeah, I'll talk to you. Sometimes it's 40 doors later, we're knocking on doors and, uh. Then somebody will say, okay, yeah, come on in. Like, thank heavens, you know, we finally got a willing victim.
2: So I do have to ask then the nasty side of the question What's the biggest or best rejection line you've gotten from knocking on the doors? And they're like, no, I don't want to talk to you.
1: Jonathan, that's so to- funny because I was about to ask Todd the same question.
0: So, you know, I can't repeat it. Um, (laughs) I'm assuming this is a family show. Uh, and I don't talk like that anyway, but, uh, yeah, we've had some, uh, fairly colorful words. Uh, it's, it's what you might expect, you know, but, but that always blows my mind because we will go. And a lot of times we'll knock on doors and we've, we've got a whole camera crew out there and we're assuming they peek out, but a lot of times, yeah, they open the door and it's 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 not nice. That blows my mind. And so when people are particularly mean, I just shout out, I'm like, okay, Larry, take the big check to the neighbors. They don't want it. Um hoping they'll think it's publisher's clearinghouse. You know, I I would at least be curious what on earth is going on, why there's a big camera crew at my door. But um, we've had a gun pulled on us once. Um, a guy threatened to beat us all up with a bat. Generally, the police have been kind, and they find out what's going on, and they smile and say, "Sounds fun. Good luck." You know, hope you get a great story. One time, they were really pretty nasty in New Hampshire and uh, sent us packing. You know, and and I didn't want to fight it. You know, get thrown in jail. It's my production company, so. I just thought, you know, we're, we'd be shut down for who knows how long I'd be in jail. And so we just went to the next town over and uh, got an amazing story. They welcomed us with open arms. And-
2: was there one insult that really stick? I, I, I can tell you my favorite insult that I got was I got called, which doesn't make any sense, a Bible thumping communist. Um, <laughs> which if you understand the history of communism and the history of Bibles, it's not the kind of like oil and water. They don't um, fit together, do they? Yeah, they don't. Um, but it's always like the one insult I'll never ever forget of how I got called it. So, is there one kind of insult that kind of stuck out to you, that kind of go like that, or something that just will always like kind of like when I think of it, it's it's funny because the guy wanted to irritate me, and every time I think of it, I smile. I'm like,
0: yeah. Do yeah. so you remember that day I got called a Bible thumping communist? You know, not really. Not not from doing the story track you know people have been amazing and and it's my 80 20 rule you know like 80 percent of the people in america are incredible and just doing great you know and and there's 20 percent like yeah, kind of iffy kind of jerks out there the majority of people out there and that's been my experience are just great people just getting by working hard doing their thing it's the 20 percent that you might see on the news you know making the headlines doing the bad stuff but i mean there was one time when i was a news reporter trying to get man on the street interviews from people and this was in downtown salt lake city and I'm just going around bugging people like we do, you know, Hey, can I ask you a question? And it was, it was a homeless guy. And he's like, you look different than you do on TV. And I'm like, Oh, what? Uglier. And he's like, no fatter. Yeah. You know, that was great. That was a great line. I'll always remember that. You should have said you were more jolly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. He was just trying to keep you humble, Todd.
0: Yes, yes. TV, you know, does keep you humble. It should, at least, if it doesn't for others.
2: You start up this production company. So when you leave your your news anchor job, did you start up the production company straight away and take quite a bit of a risk? Or, you know, did you
0: do that later on i took a huge risk so i left tv news because i was ready to leave tv news i had no job to go to and i had been wanting to leave tv news for a while but but it just didn't seem the right time and i left tv news at Kind of the height of of my career, it it seemed. I mean, I was a weekend anchor in Salt Lake City. You know, it's not like I was a network news anchor or anything, but um, just been offered a new three-year contract. I had just won an Emmy Award, won the Best Reporter in Utah Award, and things were looking great, but I, I wasn't happy. You know, even though I had just started this little series of random stories, which was really cool and amazing, but that wasn't enough to keep me in TV news. And honestly, Jonathan, it was, it was kind of a, a spiritual prompting that both my wife and I felt at the same time. It's like, wow, it's time for me to leave. And it was the worst time we could imagine because I didn't have a job to go to and I don't want to ruin things for people that think the, the weekend anchor at the Fox affiliate in Salt Lake City is an incredibly lucrative position, but uh, I had about two months' worth of wages in the bank. It's not a great uh, well-paying job, right? So we took a leap of faith and uh, put in my notice one morning. Had no idea what what's gonna happen. And actually that night I got a phone call from a neighbor saying, Hey, um, I got these guys uh who are looking to start up this marketing company. And uh I know you've got this great job. You know, you're the weekend anchor at this uh TV station. As a matter of fact, I don't know why I'm calling you. You got this great job. Never mind. I'm like, you know what? Keep talking. I want to hear a little bit more. Well, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, but but anyway, I know you wouldn't be interested. I said, listen, I just quit my job this morning. (laughs) I'd be very interested. So I went into sales and marketing uh, for a little while. And then I produced a little reality TV show for a little while. And then I heard that uh, this network was looking for a TV show idea. I pitched it and kind of the rest was history. And 12 seasons and a bunch of Emmy awards and traveling the country. And the concept that everybody has a story and everybody is important, I think was proven.
2: You spoke earlier on about a homeless guy um, and that lovely insult that he gave you, not not that particular one, but have you ever interviewed a like a homeless person or someone that story really like tugged on your heartstrings
0: we were in Louisiana and we went to this park as we often do to get somebody to point at our map and walked up to this lady who's just sitting in the park enjoying a nice sunny day. And I just said, okay, um, I, I need your help. And and I did this sometimes. I'm like, I want you to either point to a spot on this map So we can go find a story or tell me your story. She said, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm just sitting here in the park until the end of the day. And then I'll uh, go back to my storage unit. Like, what do you mean your storage unit? Well, that's where I live. She lived in a storage unit. She was homeless. And so we got her story and We followed her back to this storage unit. She opens it up and she lived inside of this storage unit. And we were just absolutely blown away at uh, her circumstances. And she had all kinds of different circumstances, which led to her being homeless. And like the whole crew was just absolutely blown away at this amazing lady who We just bumped into who happened to be homeless and we contacted a branch of our church out there in uh, Louisiana. Hey, Todd, I have to stop
1: you for a second Yeah, because Jonathan is being overwhelmed by us Mormons. (laughs) We've spoken to a few Mormons this week and he's like, what is happening? I'm being surrounded by all these Mormons.
0: Yeah. So it happened to be the Mormon church and uh, we we contacted the local leader of the congregation there. And we said, Hey, we, we need to organize some help for this lady, because I know when this episode airs, there's going to be a lot of people who want to help. And so we did, he did a bunch of help poured in to help this lady and uh, I mean, she got help with her teeth, which were a real mess and help with a place to stay. And, and it was incredible. So it didn't just touch my heart, but it touched so many other people's hearts. And yeah, we've had uh, other people that we've bumped into along the way. When, when you go eight, nine years, um, interviewing people all over the country. Yeah. You bump into people from all walks of life, from, from CEOs of, major companies making seven figures to homeless people to convicted murderers to everybody in between. And you get compelling stories from every one of them.
1: Pod, I can't help but mention you said something about the stories of a convicted murderer. Yeah. Well, you have to <laughs> share.
0: <laughs> this was, uh, one of our Utah episodes. Um, just kind of up the street, uh, not too far in Salt Lake city. And uh dot hits this little area. We go rolling up and uh, my producer does not want to get out of the car. She's like, okay, this is not a safe area. We're, I'm not getting out of the car. I'm like, Oh, it's fine. It's it's Utah. You know, we're, we're good. Get out of the car and uh, walk up to this guy and he's like Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my story. You know, we sit down and, have this incredibly compelling interview with this man who spent i think 18 years in prison for murder he and some buddies when they were young he says they went to this house to scare a guy with a rifle he went to shoot up above the guy's house and as he was going to shoot his friend hit the barrel and said no and it hit the barrel down instead of shooting above the house it hit the man in the chest and he died the guy we were interviewing went to prison and he had a unbelievably compelling story about going wayward in his youth and doing a lot of terrible things and a message for youth and making good decisions and not going the route that he went. And really, it was, it was a message of hope and redemption and um, living a better life.
1: How about a patriotic story?
0: So many. Um, w- one of the incredible blessings that we had was bumping into... World War II veterans. And, and there are so few left today. But one of our first episodes in St. Augustine, Florida, we, we bumped into a guy by the name of Ed Pasha. And he was this uh, amazing man. His wife answered the door. And then she's like, I don't want to talk to you, but you need to interview my husband who enlisted to fight in world war II, and just told these incredible stories about his combat days and how he and an unarmed medic captured 85 germans (laughs) just just through strategy and through him you know firing some shots up above their um barracks and he would have the medic go down and and rustle the trees every like 10 yards. And he just kept shouting at him, hold your fire, hold your fire, hold your fire. And so he just uh, kind of outwitted them. And then he would yell, you know, at the Germans saying, get out now, get out now, you know, hold your fire, hold your fire. And he'd shoot, you know, every once in a while. And then he captured them single-handedly um, marched them in to uh, headquarters. And they're like, uh, where's the rest of your platoon? So, oh, it's just me and the medic, you know, we got them all fascinating. And then he was terribly injured later and awoke in the hospital. Um, but he's like, I would do it all over again because this is my country. And this is why we do it. And, and the patriotism that I feel is, is leaving this country. And and I asked him like, how do you want to be remembered? It's like, eh. Just, just one of the guys, you know, it's one of the guys who did his duty. And, uh, when, when you talk to him, he talks about God because he was a pastor later on in his life. And we met so many other world war II veterans. We did a episode in West Virginia where every single interview we did, it was a veteran. First guy we interviewed was a Vietnam veteran. Next person we interviewed was a world war II veteran. Next person we interviewed was a world war II veteran. Um, that was a huge blessing to do that full episode with just veterans talking about this incredible country and why they fought for it.
1: Did you ever feel maybe before an interview or after an interview that you were guided somehow to that person?
0: Um, Just about. Ninety nine percent of the time, yeah.
1: How did I know you were going to say that?
0: Yeah, like I I didn't feel like it was random. I mean, you have producers, executive producers. You have network executives, and I always felt like God was my executive producer. Like at the end of every day, I felt like okay, we were supposed to talk to that. We did a story in McCammon, Idaho. And we rolled up on this lady who had this amazing story about her battle with chronic Lyme disease and how she found this clinic that saved her life, which was actually just up the road in Pocatello, Idaho, this world renowned clinic that she knew nothing about, but she eventually found and She was hoping to be able to share that information somehow with others. Three days before we showed up, she had a dream that I would knock on her door. That's impossible. I mean, the randomness of the show, you have a much better chance of winning the $2 billion lottery than me showing up at your door anywhere in America. That was pretty incredible that she would have a dream that I would show up and knock on her door and she told her story. And then hundreds of people got help at that clinic. We did a follow up and now thousands of people have gotten help at that clinic and they say their lives have been saved. Because of her telling her story. Simple thing like that. And what's even more amazing is we were not supposed to be in McCammon, Idaho for that episode. We were supposed to be in California, but we're shooting in California is difficult. You have to get permits. Idaho, you don't. The permits were not coming through. So three days before, I told my producer, we're pulling the plug. We need to go with our backup, and that's Idaho. I closed my eyes, dropped a marker on the map of Idaho. It hit my camp. That's the night she had that dream. Is that random? I don't know. So, where did your love of telling
2: stories come from?
0: You know, I've just always been fascinated by other people. Like i I have an interest in telling a certain type of story and it's, and it's about people because as a news reporter, I had to tell other kinds of stories and I hated it. You know, I had to tell issue type stories and like the political type stories and this week's scumbag type stories and stuff. And, and I really didn't get, so much into those stories. But when I could do the human interest type stories, the people type stories, that's where I really shined. And I thought, man, if if we did a whole newscast just on people, interesting people, our ratings would shoot through the roof. But that's something that has never been tried, I think. That's kind of my fascination and that's the storytelling that I've always been interested in. But it came from broadcasting honestly i I thought i was going to be a sportscaster when i was younger when i first started because i was a frustrated athlete and uh went into sportscasting but i did a news internship and absolutely fell in love so
2: on the side of the story and feel free not to answer this but just because i work behind the scenes and i know how people think in our industry do you care to share any stories of how you were received when you had this idea to pitch to executives? Because I can't believe it was simple that you came up with this idea of this show, which you'd done on your new show, of telling stories of the ordinary people Joe, American, and a new executive at a network went. That's the best idea. That's what American needs. That's what we're missing at this network. I can guarantee you, you had at least one person who went. That's the dumbest idea we ever want. There is no <laughs> ratings and no money in the American people.
0: That's yeah, such a good question. First, when I pitched it to my news station and my boss there, I thought, "There's no way," you know. And I, and I pitched several ideas. And I thought, yeah, this, this is the one I really want to do. There's no way she's going to go for this. And she's like, this this sounds kind of interesting. Let's give it a shot. Like, wow. Cool. All right. Let's give it a shot. And like I told you, I was nervous. You know, that, man, what if this doesn't work? But it did. You know, and it challenged my storytelling skills and my interviewing skills. Was like, I've got to pull a story out of this guy. You know, what if I can't? But well, I could, turns out I can pull a story out of anybody because anybody has a story. Well, then it goes to pitching it to the network and you're right. That was, it was a little bit more of a challenge, but I'm a news guy. I'm a TV news boy. You know, that's the technical term for what I am. So I had no experience whatsoever pitching a TV show to anybody let alone network executives. So I go in, give it my best shot, right? All 30 seconds of a pitch. Okay, here's my idea. We're going to go in, we'll pull a state out of a hat, we'll drop a marker on that state, we'll go to this town, and we'll start knocking on doors, and the first person who says yes will tell their story. And we'll repeat that, And do three or four stories and that'll fill up an episode and there'll be great compelling interesting stories kind of like what i did on the news and that's it and they're like okay and and what next and uh i'm like well that's yeah that's kind of that's kind of the show what's your drop rate i said oh yeah well the drop rate and i'm trying to sound like i know what i'm doing like okay the drop rate well let me let me cipher that out for you what is Um, that todd The drop rate. Well, let me, let's carry the nine. For those of us who aren't in the um,
1: industry, what's the drop rate?
0: That's what I didn't know. I'm trying to pretend I knew. So gotcha. (laughs) I finally had to admit, I didn't know. I said, what is a drop rate? And they said, well, drop rate. Just how many stories do you drop before you have one that's good enough to put on the air? And I was appalled. I just said, no, That that's not a part of the equation. I said, I, I can't claim that everybody has a story and then drop any story. I said, every story gets in the show. I had just a few rules. The first person who agrees their story gets in the show. And every story has to be random. No story gets set up ahead of time. And no story goes on the edit room floor, and they're like, uh, "This will never work." <laughs> that's that's crazy. And so it took a series of many many meetings, and finally, I just said, "Can I just? Can we just do a poc a proof of concept? Can you just give me a crew? We'll go out. We'll do this." and I will show you how it works. So I got a small crew, we went out, we got an incredible story, which is the very first story in the very first episode. And then the managing director there at the network was like, where has this been our whole lives? We we need to do this, this is incredible. So we started, but it took about a year, year and a half, to make happen. As you know, from the machinations of making things work, it took a long time.
2: I just wish I could see the picture or the look on the executives when you're giving them your rules of there is no cutting, there is no drop rate. Uh, every story makes it because every story, every person has a story. I can just imagine them looking at you like you've got 10 heads. They're like, yeah, What? but then what's a floor what does the floor do in the editing room if it doesn't hold up all the stuff we don't air (laughs) what's the purpose of a floor you know so that's that's incredible and so how long did it take to become kind of where they're really appreciating the work like did it happen instantaneously or was it more of a slow burn
0: let's see the show ran for 12 seasons i think uh Maybe if we do 13 seasons, they'll start to appreciate it. It's a constant battle every season. And it's that's TV. It's tough to impress your peers. Like the public absolutely loves it and appreciates it. And the emails I get people say it has blessed my life it has changed my life i have people saying it has saved my life it's incredible but yeah it's a constant battle (laughs) all the time to get your peers to agree that doing random stories about everyday americans is is worthwhile and uh, it's okay versus high production value Everything's set up fake and everything and and it's reality TV, but I think most of us understand that reality TV is not real
1: Todd burst my bubble when he was on my podcast Jonathan because he said to me, I don't know if you know this or not Tina, but reality TV it's not real
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to my show to be real so then are you telling me hold on
2: I just i just want to be clear by saying this because you'll understand what i'm about to say lingo was are you telling me when the scripts uh, the credits roll on the end of your show there's not a special uh title called storytelling or um or writers um or producers or there is a producer but like you yeah. know a writer like there is on reality tv like why do you need a writer if you're just cameraing filming people all around yeah, yeah. with cameras
0: I think the most pure reality show out there is like parking wars, right? Have you ever seen that? (laughs) Yes. Follow these parking attendants (laughs) around Chicago and stuff and they get yelled at. And I mean, that's, that's pure. Like I will write the stories on the story track, you know, put in narration for my voice and, you know, find sound bites and stuff. We'll put together a nice little story. So they're written, but yeah, we don't cast people. We don't make up scenarios. We don't We don't have a set. We don't, you know, it's just, it is what it is. It's who we meet. And the stories are incredible.
2: So I've been in TV. You've got to ask this question. What's your blooper reel like?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> um, plenty of bloopers because I go on camera and try to sum up the story. And I'm an idiot.
2: So what's the best blooper that you can think of, like that would make the that would make the all time real, hands down? Oh
0: boy, there are just too many to tell. Like we always had more bloopers than we had time, you know. And we had an editor, and like I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but we just don't have that much time, Mark. We can't put in all the bloopers. Trying to think some of the some of the best bloopers. Like we we never I never fell in a pond. One time, <laughs> we'd throw the football around. For some reason, we just always took a football and, and we'd throw it around. <laughs> and just when I uh, finished knocking on a door, person didn't answer, I turned and a football came and smacked me right in the face. I wasn't ready for it, but John... Decided that was a good time to throw the football at me and hit me right in the melon. Fortunately, I didn't get a black eye, but I did uh, break a thumb and uh, tear a tendon in my thumb at the very beginning of an episode in South Dakota and uh, dealt with that the remainder of the episode because I can't catch. So that was not fun.
1: Therefore, the frustrated uh, trying to be sports athletic type of person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um it, we wonder why I didn't play for the Dallas Cowboys.
2: They're called the Dallas Cowgirls uh so uh, I'm yeah. a Giants fan, so they're not America's football team. <laughs> so
0: hey you know what? they had a big win yesterday, so I'm happy
2: yeah, yeah. They did. I actually heard a great story about Jerry Jones this week um there's a guy in my men's group and um, you might appreciate this um about how bad of an owner he is he's he's a massive Cowboys fan. But he cannot stand Jerry Jones. And he said uh, back in the day, Jerry Jones was very big in the recruitment. And this is a problem for the Dallas Cowboys. And he said that there was a story that ran the rounds that um, he did. The manager turns up for training one day and there's this big 300 pound guy in the parking lot waiting to do it. And everyone's walking by him. And all of a sudden they decide to ask him, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, I saw Jerry two days ago. He told me to turn up for a tryout. So all the football players laugh at him. And then this story gets out. And he gets there on the practice field. And he's still out there waiting. And they're, they're saying, did you see the big guy outside? He went, yeah, what's his deal? He's like, he's here for a tryout. And the manager goes, he is? So he goes out and speaks to him. And he goes, the guys inside are telling me you're here for a tryout. I'm the manager. I know nothing about this. What happened? He's like, oh, did Jerry not tell you? You know, he told me to turn up today at this time. And he was like, okay, where did you meet Jerry? He's like in an airport terminal. So he just went, oh, it's one of those. So he tells him, I'll tell you what, run to that tree and run back and I'll time you. He said, the guy ran about three quarters of the way to the tree and then just started walking and just kept on going. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that's the Cowboys summed up. And then obviously yeah. obviously not recent story, but he's like, he says, I've loved this team so much. And he says, but Jerry Jones has got to go.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah. it's, it's been tough being a Cowboys fan for a lot of years. Yeah.
2: You've got to have patience and resilience, right?
0: right? Yes. that's It's a lesson in life, right? Yeah. If, if you can be a cowboys fan you can get through many things in life it's it's yeah. it's a great symbol symbolism kind of lesson
2: yeah i'm a giants fan so look I, i'm still living off prior glories all right so and, and i have no <laughs> underestimation that i'm going to be living off those prior glories for the rest of my life but you suck but yeah but you remember that year those two years we won the super bowl <laughs> yeah so life's a story So going around your 12 seasons, getting back to your show, if you could sum up the moods or the changes or what you feel like, what's the story of America that you feel that you've met on the ground?
0: I think, uh, like I said before, it's, it's overcoming. I think it's that life is a blessing opportunity. This country is so full of opportunity. And I think more and more we're taking that for granted. And I worry that the more we take it for granted, it's going to be taken from us. All of those blessings and opportunities, but uh, I don't want to get on my soapbox too much about that. But what I see from people is uh, they have difficult circumstances and they work to overcome it. What I have learned from all of my interviews and meeting people from all walks of life who have dealt with so many things is that I have absolutely nothing to complain about because people have been through some really difficult things. And by and large, we are blessed. Most of us in this incredible country are blessed. And if you have been to other countries, third world countries, you have no idea how blessed you are, even if you are not a, a Zuckerberg or a Buffett or a Musk, you are unbelievably wealthy in this country and you have no idea. Even compared
2: to other countries, like you look at my old country, Ireland, it's, it's incredible. Like My uh, wife's son-in-law earns six figures as a manager of Walmart and he's 25 years of age. That don't happen in parts of the world you know even in Ireland you know you might be in leadership in a store in Ireland this the Irish equivalent of Walmart but you ain't earning six figures it's 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 incredible so before we wrap up I do have to ask because it's the time of year do you have a Christmas story of joy or a Christmas story of hope for us or any type of Christmas story because it's now we're we're two weeks away from Christmas from Santa Claus coming down the the, that chimney and we're going to leave out some cookies and milk for him and we just got to have a Christmas story.
0: You know, we did an entire episode, um, which was a Christmas special, which was different for us on the story Trek, And we did it in Santa Claus, Indiana. So <laughs> it was one time where it wasn't random. We're like, where could we do an incredible Christmas episode? And it was Santa Claus, Indiana. And it is where... Kids from all over the country, maybe all over the world, send letters to Santa Claus, and they're answered. So they have volunteers come in, and it's this time of year, where in droves, letters come in, and the uh, letters are answered by um, volunteers, by Santa's elves. It is amazing the coordinated effort that goes into that the entire town is this incredible town of, it's just service. And it, that's kind of, uh, I guess the, the lasting impression that I got of Santa Claus, Indiana is uh, service. And, you know, as we're talking about joy for this episode of, of yours, I, I think um, that's how I find joy is uh, in service. If you are down and depressed and and think your life isn't so great, um, I think the way to get out of that is to get outside of yourself and find a way to help somebody else. It doesn't have to be anything huge, but find a way to serve somebody else. That's what they're doing in Santa Claus, Indiana every year this time of year. And this is the perfect time of year to do that. Find a way to serve, find one single person that you can serve. And my experience from interviewing all these people throughout my entire career is whenever something is going on in somebody else's life, guaranteed something else is going on. And if, if you imagine that somebody might be suffering, you're probably right. So if you can help them through that suffering, just by doing something kind, that's not only going to help them, but it's going to help you immensely. And that's the way you're going to find joy. And I don't know what the definition of joy is, but I think it's probably an increase of happiness. So it's happiness doubled, so, Todd, story
1: trek ended for you. What are you doing now and where can we find you?
0: So, you can find me on storyempowered.com. And I'm trying to reboot the story trek, but not under that name. Uh, So trying to make it happen again, because I think it's needed now more than ever before. So it ended a few years ago and the country wasn't as divided or the world wasn't as divided as it is now. And I think like we talked about in the beginning, we're so much more polarized than when I stopped doing the story track. I think if people just see conversations and Ideally, they have conversations, but even just seeing conversations makes a difference. And we realize that, okay, yeah, maybe Jonathan has has one thing that I disagree with, but he's still a pretty good guy and he's got a cool accent. I enjoy connecting with him. So yeah, storyempowered.com. If you want to see all the old episodes, you can go to byutv.com or .org and uh, some really cool stuff to watch on the story truck.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Todd. And Miss Tina, who have you got on your show this week?
1: This week on the We the People, Our American Story podcast, my guest is Sean Welsh. And Sean spends a great deal of the episode talking about PTS and how it is important to help our veterans through their difficult times and the help that unfortunately, they're not getting like they should. So please check out www.wethepeopleouramericanstory.com. And you can also hear Todd's episode from that website as well. And finally, we salute our U.S. military, firefighters, police officers, and emergency personnel.
2: And I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever forget the sentiments of the Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good. You just heard some stories from Todd. America is great, and Americans are good, decent people. You're not great because of Trump or Biden or DeSantis or Republicans or Democrats, but you're great because of your people doing extraordinary things. Like in Saint Santa Claus, Indiana. What an amazing story. Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to tune in next week as we talk about peace. Until next Saturday at twelve noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week, America.